What's up, Accelerators? Welcome to Normalize It, the show where we speak about and explore the business of disability inclusion and accessibility. I'm your host, Cam Baudouin, and on each episode, I'll be interviewing leaders, professionals, and people with lived experiences, and we'll be discussing the challenges, successes, and strategies on how to make this world a more inclusive place. As you know, many organizations are still trying to figure out disability inclusion through a trial and error method. That's inefficient. Stick around to the end of the show to find out how we can fix that. So whether you're an advocate, entrepreneur, business owner, stakeholder, VP, or just someone who's interested in the world of disability inclusion, this show is for you. Let's dive into it. You know, I want to start us off here because, you know, you sit and you work so much in something that I have really changed and evolved this show to be about, and even in the way I speak to people about, which is truly about what is the business of disability inclusion? And what is the business of accessibility? Because a lot of people don't want to talk about it. They're, they're, they're afraid to talk about it. You know, So maybe we can just start there. How, what is the business of disability inclusion? No, absolutely. And it's about understanding the commercials or actually to be more precise, it's about not being afraid to talk commercials and disability and and you've kind of stolen my thunder because in many ways what we're talking about globally is an eight trillion dollar market yet we know that globally less than 10 percent of businesses have a strategy to access this disability market and and that's what our premise of what we do is it's about how do you unlock this market to sell to these 15 billion people, 17% of the population, and enable them to come and buy and sell your products and services? And and so in many ways, I wake up most nights kind of thinking, am I going to get found out? This is so simple. And then we trudge on every day because actually defining how do you improve how do you make changes to make a better customer experience which is the raison d'etre of most organization that have customers how do you do it for this group of people who are going to be your most loyal ever because that's what evidence say yeah and actually what i'm telling you is how you do it Right. And and what's amazing to me is that I've seen that when I used to work as more of a developer, I remember speaking to people who have some kind of a sight impairment and they would say, why would I bother going to a different company when I've already, you know, with all the barriers that possibly exist in that company's technology on their website, banking solutions, why would I go there when I've got a solution here that works really well for me. I'm not generalizing. All I'm saying is that this person's one experience was, I don't want to get frustrated in the future. I, I can work with a company now. And and if they cater to me, then I've got the solution here right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you talk about banks and traditionally, you know, you open your first bank account at eight and right. you, you stay there for life unless yeah. you get atrocious service. Why do you want to change? And I get called many things, Cam. I prefer Mike, but I, you know, I I can be called a seventeen percenter. That's one of my favourites. So I was born with my disability. Uh, I'm one of seventeen percent globally. That is so eighty three percent of disabled people acquire their disability in their lifetime. And frankly, 
they're used to having good service right and just because they've become disabled why would they not want a good service and so fundamentally it's about can we deliver a good service to this broad group of this of people who are kind of labeled disabled who are actually customers that may have different impairments and, and that's the challenge of businesses uh, most of the changes are mindset ones mm-hmm. and language ones so it, it's pretty cheap to do and then you access this huge market who is totally loyal for not a lot and i defy any business you know you walk into a boardroom and you go look i, I found this new market 90 percent of people aren't doing anything about it and actually all we have to do is show them that we care and put in some adjustments and they'll stay with us for the rest yes. of their lives yes. yep. yeah I, I defy any board to go oh, get out of it no we're, we're not prepared to do that i was reading a previous interview that i think i think it was yours and you talked about something similar to or if it's not you we can just talk about it right now it was this same problem the same realization happened in i think the 60s or you know stay at home moms all of a sudden were not being advertised to on television and then someone clued in and said hey wait a second there's a whole market here of people who are who have access to a television or radio and and who can watch uh, our ads right and be advertised to because they're always there what, what was that you did you did you talk about there is that an example yeah, it was and the stimulus was 20 years ago when advertisers decided that they were going to use women in the adverts mm-hmm. and lo and behold do you know what happened women went and bought those products and you know everyone was astonished and and it didn't stop there by the way because what those clever businesses decided and it's the analogy i use with disability and this is why it's so important because good businesses reflect their consumer base Mm -hmm. in their workforce absolutely yeah the logic goes if you have more disabled people as customers you then want to reflect that in your workforce and i remember about five years ago six years ago standing up uh, at in central london at a big disability employment conference okay and i stood up and i said the way to move the dial on disability employment is to forget about employment initiatives is to get businesses to see disabled people as customers yes because if you get that right and disabled people come as customers then there will be a push because those organizations will want to reflect in more disabled people being employed rather than pull, please, 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 can you do your bit and can you employ disabled people? And I worked with, um, I had the, the brilliance of working with McLaren, mm. you know, the Formula One racing team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and they were talk, uh, talking to the head of HR and they said, we absolutely employ and make it our absolute mission to employ people from all around the world because we are a global brand and that is what people will expect to see and so you know it is common sense that if you attract 
more disabled people as customers and we talk about the purple dollar then actually that is the trigger for employing more disabled people and suddenly we're transforming the landscape and the quality for disabled people yeah and 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 business don't even know it but they're part of making that transformation happen yeah and you know what i love about that example you just gave and here's to anyone who hears the objection from your clients or your leadership about oh we don't have any disabled employees or oh we don't have any disabled uh customers mclaren who automotive I, what else do they do? do they do anything other than automotive because their traditional sense i feel that the objection we would hear is why does a car manufacturer or automotive company care like you know people people who are blind don't drive cars but that's the wrong way to go about it right we know that that that's the wrong way to go about this argument because when you can reflect when you can when you can uh sell to your client base to make sure that they uh understand the value you're not only selling towards one type of person you sell towards the 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 broader range of anyone with disabilities you're going to get a really good employee base of people who think differently and act differently as well and and i, I love that like I, I love hearing stories about you know someone like mclaren coming and asking you to uh to help them out let me indulge myself on a friday and tell you another story when you think disability you think the international sign for disability that's known anywhere around the world from right. canada the uk yeah yep. that sign is the wheelchair that's and, right that's right and, and it is done magnificent things in raising awareness and the profile of disability but that sign in itself reflects eight percent of the disabled that's right population how many of my friends with disabilities have said that does not represent me it sorry go on represent. no right. it doesn't and 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 so the answer is 80 percent of disabled people have hidden disabilities so i walk into the room within a split second you will know i'm disabled 80 percent of disabled people will walk into a room and don't and right. during lockdowns I did some work with a big organization and um, I won't name a big organization. And every Friday, their chief executive and he did a virtual session to all the staff and he did it on disability. He set out why disability was an important issue to them and what they were going to do, what they had done about it in the last six mm -hmm. months and what they were going to do about it. And Cam, what it was, it was off the back of an increase, a spike in staff having mental health issues wow. that they'd never experienced. And, and, and lockdown was the leveler and, and COVID was the leveler. And he did this 15 minutes and he said, look, any of you brave enough to come off mute and say anything or if not, put it in the chat box. And, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but my experience of virtual meetings is 12 seconds of silence feels like five minutes. Yes. Anyway, we, we went through that 12 seconds and, and someone came off mute and said, I've worked in this organisation for 15 years and I never thought I would ever see the day when I came off mute and told the entire workforce that I've got a mental health condition wow. and I've kept it from everyone for 15 years. But what that chief executive has said today has made me disclose to everyone that I've got a mental health issue. Wow. And you could, you could yep. hear the gasps 
six seconds later, someone else come off and said, well, if such and such is telling you that they've got an impairment, I'm telling you today that I've got dyslexia. I've always had dyslexia. And my working strategy is to go home every night and do an extra hour and a half in order for me to really? keep up. Yeah. But today is the day I'm telling you I've got dyslexia. In seven minutes, that chief exec had nine more disabled people who had disclosed that they had a disability that he didn't know at the start of the meeting. And, you know, I about four months after that, someone I know quite well posted on LinkedIn and said, I've just got a job as head of marketing at this company. And I wrote to her and said, congratulations. Why have you gone there? And she said, because I want to work for a company that really does diversity, really does disability. I've seen the stuff coming out from their staff about what they're doing. And I wanted to go and put my marketing skills to an organization absolutely lives and breathes it and that's why i'm going there so actually you know creating a voice talking about disability talking about inclusion talking about the the commercial benefits the social benefits has other knock-on benefits mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of you know and they then become the marketeers for that organization for customers for yep. talented individuals yep. who may or may not have a disability so the knock-on effects for that chief executive from that one piece of work has been enormous. Amazing. And you know, you talk about that. I know for myself when I'm trying to procure, I don't know, a podcasting service, hint, hint, any, everyone, this is going to become a podcast soon. Do you know how hard it is to find a service that is fully accessible? They're out there. They are out there. I'm not going to promote anyone yet. I haven't done my tests yet, but out of the thousands of services, which offer podcasting, a handful are offering them accessibly. And that's where my dollars are going, right? Like, because that makes a difference. And I think that a lot of people who are listening are going to be uh, going to be spending their dollars in companies like that as well. So, but what? Where, where's the reluctance here? So, this CEO that you just mentioned, which is a, a fantastic story, where do you find the reluctance? I have some ideas of where the reluctance is, but I want to hear it from you. Where's the reluctance on either the solutions or that conversation around disabilities? Where do you think that comes from? One is a lack of understanding, mm -hmm. and the very fact that people didn't understand that mental health for example and i think you know lockdown and covid just brought that into really sharp focus but it's interesting in the uk and i don't know whether it's the same in canada if you've got cancer or if you're fully recovered from cancer you have rights under disability legislation suddenly and it's really interesting so about a year ago i went to a property conference and you know uh, if any of your listeners work in property, I'm really sorry, but it was a really dry conference. Um, but they they had the ability to do polls and there was 306 people in the room. And I talked about neurodiversity. I talked about epilepsy. I talked about dyslexia. I talked about mental health. I talked about cancer. And I said, look, this is what disability is. How many of you have someone who is a relative or someone in your close network who therefore has a disability. Mm -hmm. And the last empirical research about seven years ago said 50% of people would say yes. Non-scientific can, but on that day, 92% of people said that they did. Wow. And I said, I said to them, I said, you work in an organization. Would you want your granny, your niece, your nephew, your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your mum, your dad, who happens to have 
a disability to come into your business and be treated differently simply because they were disabled absolutely if your answer to that question is no then go back into your organization and do something about it and i and i think you know what i'm starting to see is that the issue of disability is being transferred very slowly and very reluctantly in some in some areas from being about health and safety mm-hmm. and being about risk and yeah. slowly moving into equality and diversity and slowly moving into something that is about marketing and communications. And I think we're on that journey. And once we get there and we understand this group of people actually are first and foremost customers or talented employees. Right then we're into a very different conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like that you brought up risk because I think that risk and regulatory and legal and lawsuits, this all kind of revolves around this this way of, of talking about the requirements of accessibility, right? And I think that that's a conversation that has to still change, right? We're, we're still trying to keep, catch up with the whole idea of, I'm going to do this because I don't want to get sued. Yeah. Uh, and that we need to move that from, no, you're, you're risking other things as well, like a, a workforce that is non-diverse workforce, right? Or you're, you're, you're risking potential clients out there as well. That word around risk doesn't always mean regulatory and lawsuits. We're also talking about other risks that are less tangible, but the facts are still out there as well. I have a theory as to also why that whole idea around why people are still reluctant is we're not really being taught the words on how to say the word disability without saying, oh, am I going to offend someone? Or, oh, I don't know how to use those words. Or should I say, should I say a blind person or a person who is blind? And 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 these are like the conversations that uh, we are helping facilitate here in large organizations and I know one growing up, my parents didn't have the words, no fault to them. They just didn't know. They they didn't know. Neither did my teachers when going to school. Neither did any HR department. There was no, this is how we talk about race, religion, disabilities. It's always don't talk about it, right? Like that's, that's all we're ever said. Don't talk about it. So we're not, we're also not even given the tools to be able to talk about disabilities or inclusion in some ways as well. I absolutely agree with you. And I I think we're kind of put in this bucket of vulnerable people. Um, and I will tell you, you know, there have been times in my life when I have felt vulnerable, but often I'm not, but that was seen as a risk. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just to be really current, I write a LinkedIn post twice a week. And I was recalling last week, uh, given everything that's gone in, on in the UK uh, at the moment, I was recalling uh, when I was 14, the Queen's mum came to our school and we had a service of thanksgiving i read a piece i can't remember what it was but i read something and i was told by my school uh, that i needed to wear my artificial legs so i am three foot ten and i've got no arms and i decided long long time ago that i was never going to have artificial arms but I, i was compelled to have legs artificial legs which made me five foot six because the taller I was, the, the more normal that it would I would be in the outside world. Hmm. And I remember the day, and I was recalling the day and saying to her, standing in line at the end, you know, thank you, mom. I, I just about got away with it. 
and it wasn't about you know whether i'd stumbled over words or anything it was the fact that i'd had to on these artificial legs walk down the church aisle which was really narrow and mm -hmm. then cobbles and i was more concerned about whether i was going to stand up and stay up and not fall over than i was stumble over my words and i remember talking to her afterwards and she said how were you and i said oh you know I'm, I'm just glad i got through it you know i would prefer not to be on artificial legs and she looked at me and she said well look how small i am and i've coped quite well in life and it was that kind of moment that i i realized i just needed to be my authentic me you know a year later i i, I just said no i'm never going to wear artificial legs again this is who i am this is my size and and, and and I think in some ways, you know, I am Mike and I am a customer. And if you meet my needs, I will buy from you right. and forever is just the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's flip it around here. I want to know, how do we start that conversation? I want to know how, if I walk into a business, not always walk into a business, but if I'm a lead, if I need to start that conversation with the business about accessibility selling to clients of that where where's a good place to start where where's where's that uh, and interesting we did a webinar on this a week ago and 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 the disabled people say start just start and they said well okay give us give us one piece of advice and i said okay so just think about people on the autistic spectrum or mm -hmm. who have got stammers get all your staff to learn the six second rule mm. so you you ask them a question as a customer and then you wait for six seconds you allow that individual to process what you've just asked them and then think about the answer and normally as human beings we don't like silence and we jump in and we you know particular people with stammers and stuff and we try to answer for them right 99 times out of 100 you get it wrong and you, they get frustrated because you've interpreted what they didn't want to say that um, and you allow the six second rule and suddenly you get a really enriched answer. And, and I've learned it for the last two years. And uh, actually, it's in, it's absolutely enriched and transformed my conversations. So it could be as simple as getting your staff to learn the six second rule, to learn hello and goodbye in the appropriate sign language, uh, which makes a huge difference. Or it could be in this day and age you get your website checked out because mm -hmm. there 99 times out of 100 there are things that you have on your website that create barriers right that don't need to be there and the example yep. i use if you talk about blind people the example i use is so many websites um have stylistically the the, the first line all in caps right so right it's welcome to it's W-E-L-C-O-M-E. -E. That can be changed in seconds, in, yes. in minutes. And suddenly blind people who use screen readers care about the website they're on. Right. Um, you know, and increasingly websites are navigated through colors. And that's absolutely mm -hmm. fine as long as alongside it, you've got the words as well. So in the UK, we've got three million people who are colorblind. Yeah. And if you only navigate through colors, they're off because actually they don't know how to navigate. So there is there are simple things that you can absolutely do that huge little things that make a huge 
different and our websites have a site map and i always talk cam about um in conferences and say look when you get home at night you know plug in on your laptop to your organization's website and then unplug your mouse for five minutes and mm -hmm, see how mm -hmm. far you can navigate and that will give you a barometer about how accessible you are right and i've learned to do that now at the end of presentations because when i first started i did it at the start and then what happened was that people got out of their bag their laptops and decided to do the no mouse test there and then and right quite frankly, it didn't matter what i said for the next 45 minutes they were more interested in their website right but, so there are absolutely things that can be done straight away the impacts on a range you know enabling enabling flash to be taken off web pages so people with mental health you know the the, the the pages are decluttered easier you know just things that make life easier and make individuals who come onto your site enabled to buy and have a great experience and they'll come back and they'll come back and they'll come back and it it really is at one level as simplistic as that Right. Yeah. And see, this is the whole conversation around, uh, we use the word shift left so often. And, and Mike, I'm not sure if that is that part of, uh, uh, is ever brought into your discussions, but yeah. that whole idea of shift left, uh, which just means, you know, how early can we have the conversation around accessibility and, and disabilities? And we tend to think that stops at the design level, right? If you think of a general process around uh, there's the design phase and then the content creation phase and then the development phase and the QA phase. Well, a lot of your, the beginning discussions I have is, well, let's bring it from the QA to the developers and then back like that. But no, 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 you can bring that way back. You can have a pleasant and wonderful user experience. If you start with the experience for all users, then you're going to have a much easier way all the way down that line as well. Uh, that's uh, that, that that's just that's just so huge. Uh, whenever we're building things, I want to talk about some of the international differences as well. Here, I'm just looking at the notes because now you work in the UK. Um, where else do you do you help out? Are you uh, working anywhere else in the world? Yeah, and so we've created something called Purple Tuesday, which is an initiative about supporting businesses to improve the disabled customer experience. And in many ways, what it does is supports organizations to have a better relationship with their potential and existing disabled customers. Mm -hmm. um, we started off in the UK five years ago. And last year, we have one, a it's about what you do 365 days a right, year. Right. But we have a celebratory day, first Tuesday in November. And last year, we got to number two worldwide on Twitter. We lit up Piccadilly lights, and that's the trigger. And we involved 7,000 businesses. Uh, it's absolutely huge. And this year, it's global. And so we will light up the, the UK in Piccadilly lights. We've got a, a road trip across. So the state of Minnesota has become purple tuesday and what's going to be brilliant about that is for your listeners who know that uh, within minnesota there's minneapolis and within minneapolis was the home of prince and paisley park and would you believe it prince wrote a little ditty i think called purple rain and we're going to have a disabled deaf choir who is going to be outside the gates 
of Prince's House with doing a rendition, a sign language rendition of Purple Rain. And on the same day, we are going to light up some monuments in Pakistan, which is going to be a first. And we're, we're talking to Pakistan because given the recent flooding, a third of the country is underwater. Wow. And what we want to do is shine a light on the disproportionate impact of disabled people. So mm -hmm. forget about being customers at the moment. This yep. is about raising the profile of disabled people in Pakistan. So we're going to light up Pakistan. We've got a procession through the streets of Kuala Lumpur. Um, and everyone's going to be wearing purple to raise the profile of disabled people in Malaysia. And then they're going to light up buildings across Malaysia and Singapore. And next week, I'm in the Middle East um, to finalise plans in Dubai for Purple Tuesday, where we're hopefully going to project in the night sky the Purple Tuesday logo on the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest ah, building in the world. That's so and, cool. And you ask, and you ask about differences next week i will spend the week talking about people of determination because that's the language you know if i i talk to north america it's people with disabilities if i talk in the uk it's disabled people but actually when you get under the skin of that the issues whether you're a customer whether you're an employee are exactly the same yes that's amazing. Mike, we got to close at that. But this has been fantastic. I love the discussion here. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Once again, Mike Adams from Purple, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining, everyone. Wasn't that a great episode? You probably have lots of new ideas swirling through your head right now. Now, how are you going to go and teach that to your boss, your team, or your clients? You need a strategy to move forward. Contact me today, hi at cambodwine.com, and let's talk about how we can move this forward in your organization or individual practice. If you could right now, like and subscribe to this show, it really does help grow our reach to get more people involved and interested in disability inclusion and making the world a more inclusive place. And don't forget, you can also watch this show live on LinkedIn. Just find me there. It's every Friday at noon Eastern. See you next week.